Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts. I, of course, am your host, Amara. And I'm here with my husband and my co-host, Jason. What's going on, people? So this week, we told the story of Janelle Melton. And this was a really crazy story. I mean, if you're listening to Afterthoughts, I'm pretty sure you listened to the episode already. And so you know that this was a different story than what we usually do. And just in terms of what happened and the circumstances and, you know, the cold case and all of that, that was something that, you know, there was it was a different episode for us. But it was also a really scary episode. And I know, you know, I said in the episode, this is something that could happen to anybody. And I don't say that so that I can, you know, scare people or, you know, try to sound, you know, terrifying. Like, I say that because it could happen to anybody. And it's just, it's, it is a very scary thing that happened to Janelle. So, um, yeah, this, this week's episode was, uh, uh, you know, all the, uh, every episode is a, is a tough one, but this was, this was particularly terrifying, I think, and just how it happened and how everything played out. Yeah. I mean, my thing about this story is, uh, when you choose to live in a, a apartment building, mm -hmm. which once you, once again, you said, you know, it's not, it's not to, you know, kind of make people terrified, but you know, when you when you live in an apartment building and you live in an apartment building where there's uh, a lot of units, mm -hmm. um, or even if it's a, a limited amount of units, you never know what's going on next door yeah. or um, underneath you or above you. Or we've all lived in, you know, different places. Yeah, um, yeah. well, I think in apartments, yeah, you definitely um, are closer in proximity, I think, to people than than you are when you live in a home. You know what I mean? Like, and I know in certain cities, like, especially like New York, like most people live in apartments. I think everybody does. You know what I mean? Besides, you know, in the main parts of New York. But it's, it is a different living situation. And, you know, you see these people in the hallway and you share elevators. Like, you share spaces with, with strangers. And yeah. so, yeah, you don't really know what's going on. They don't just live next door, but, you know, they have people maybe coming into the hallway. And, you know, it's all... And coming over. Coming over, exactly, yeah, exactly. So it is, it is definitely, you know, a different situation when you live in, in an apartment. So. All right, so we're not going to beat around the bush. Yeah. 
Uh, get right. We're not trying to make people scared who live nah, in apartments. Man. I mean, I'm sorry if that's no. It's just no. It's just different. It's just a different living. We don't live in an apartment right now. We live in we live in a house, and and you never know who lives next door to you. We you know you just that's just what it is. Like, but it's just a different proximity when when you, you know you're sharing an apartment building or just sharing or just living that close and you know and yeah. you know so. Yeah. All right, so so let's go right into uh, the story. Of Janelle Mellon, a sad story, um, but get a re- give a recap for us. Yeah, so just a little brief recap. So, um, Janelle was a 33-year-old uh, teacher living in Neptune, New Jersey, which I had never actually heard of Neptune, New Jersey, before we did this episode. I mean, I've we, heard of Neptune, New you, Okay, Jersey. you heard of Neptune. I've never heard of Neptune. I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm some expert about New Jersey. I pretty much know Camden, Trenton. Atlantic City, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you, know, you know, but um, so this is took place in Neptune, New Jersey, um, and she was a, a teacher. Janelle had been a teacher for several years, uh, and she had recently gone through a transition in her life. Her and her husband, uh, after three years, had decided to separate. But you know, things were going well. They were still friendly. They still worked at the same school, and so everything was, you know going well for um for Janelle and the beginning of the school year uh 2009 Janelle was supposed to show up for work as usual you know she was a beloved well-respected teacher always on time for work always showed up for work but she didn't show up that day and so the school asked her ex-husband Michael if he could go over to her apartment and check on her and when Michael arrived he found Janelle dead and at first, um, you know, in kind of a state of shock, he didn't really realize what had happened and and kind of taking an assessment of everything that was going on. But he called the paramedics, and when the paramedics got there, they declared Janelle dead. And um, pretty immediately, the police interview Michael, and they ended up ruling him out as a suspect. Um, but it ended up taking three years. I mean, sorry. Yeah, it ended up taking three years before they got their first big break and they got DNA back. Um, And ultimately, this ended up being a case of mistaken identity. And that uh, three gang members that were from a local town came there thinking um, they were going to the home of a drug dealer who lived actually directly next door to Janelle. And they thought they were going there to rob him, ended up in Janelle's apartment, um, and subsequently killed her after they uh, tortured her and tried to get the location of the money that they were after. Of course, she had no idea what they were talking about. Um, And they ended up then just... um, killing Janelle and shooting her in the head. And um, six years after she was murdered, um, they ended up getting, um, people started talking, witnesses came forward, and they were ultimately able to arrest these gang members and they were all sentenced to life in prison. So, yeah, that's the summary of the the story. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's crazy because I find this story such uh, a different story from all the stories, I guess you can say that um, I've ever heard Mm -hmm. you cover and within just, you know, 
uh, knowing, you know, different stories that happen in neighborhoods and in, mm-hmm. and especially Philly, um, usually people are so on point with what they want to do, like what they set out to accomplish mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, criminals. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in this story, uh, they just, everything that happened, you know, yeah. And, and not to say is is that it's ever for something because you shouldn't be you know robbing yeah, yeah, somebody, yeah. but it's like everything that happened to this young lady was absolutely for nothing at all. Yeah, they that, accomplished yeah, nothing. nothing, not even yeah. the money. They didn't get the money. Yeah, they ended up spending the rest of the life. They, they murdered an innocent woman, all for nothing, for absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's that. That's the craziest part about it. They didn't even it. <laughs> they didn't even get anything. They didn't even like you know lock you know luck up and end up in somebody's house. They they got absolutely nothing because Janelle was just a teacher. She was just a, a social studies teacher at a local middle school. She didn't have any money. She didn't have any. She didn't have anything that they were interested in. She didn't have all a, a bunch of jewelry and all. This. They didn't. She didn't have anything. So yeah, that's um that's really the that's the that's the crazy part of this story is how. How she was murdered for really nothing, and like you said, there's never any really any justification for any of these murders that we cover or anything that happens. But it's it's something so cruel about what happened to to Johnnell because she had no idea what was even going on. Like she had no idea who these men were. She had no idea where they had broken to her home. She was confused. You know, they're asking her about money. She has no idea what's going on. So, so yeah, that that's uh, it's uh, heartbreaking. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, before we go any further, the one thing I I did want to say is I was listening to this episode again mm-hmm. and just reflecting on a lot of the episodes from uh, Black Girl Gone. Um. Because it's it's all in one space about these women. They're black women, mm-hmm. um, and there's there's something that I guess people don't understand about our culture and women. And you know, a lot of times you find that people don't praise the culture of black women being so accomplished and having mm-hmm. all of these things that they worked for. And all of these things that they um, struggled for, mm-hmm. and all of these accolades that they have, and it's to me, I found like this is just another story mm-hmm. of just a woman that was just trying to do something so positive, mm-hmm. and a black teacher, and, yeah. and and we need more of those type of teachers yeah. and te- and people and 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 and, and examples yeah. of of people that can you know make it and make an impact. Yep. And you know, it's, she it's was, so many. So often we see, we see it happen in these stories. So yeah. These women have, you know, gone to college. So they've served in the women, military. Such smart they've, women. They've accomplished so much, and and that doesn't make them any uh, more valuable or their lives any more. You know, any it, it, it that has nothing to do with it. But it, it is interesting how often it is happening, and um, to those kinds of women. And I think. When you say that, that's the that's the problem with the lack of um, focus on true crime. It, it it's I mean on on black women and, and true crime and and the media and all of that because the the argument that I've heard is that you know somehow 
these women are not relatable. Their stories are not relatable to the, to, to the mainstream public. And that's why the media doesn't report on them. But what is not relatable about a teacher from New Jersey who was murdered or a, a, a military veteran or, you know, like what is not relatable right. about that? That is a relatable, yeah. that, that is, that is America right yeah, there. She's, you know and she's mean? every woman. Yeah. She's yeah. every woman. She's the, you know, these are, these are mothers. These are, these are women who have, who've done things. And so, you know, that's how you know that it doesn't really matter whether they are these kinds of women who are accomplished or they were women who struggled with addiction or women who were sex workers. It really doesn't matter because either way, their stories are not getting pushed, they're not getting elevated, and the excuse is that somehow they're not relatable, right. you know? And so, I, I yeah, I think this this these, these types of stories just kind of highlights um, how... That just is not, you know, how how much it's just crap. You know, I, mean? I don't know how yeah. else to put it. Because if there's if if these stories are not relatable, I I, I can't because they're what, black women. Yeah, how, what why? would be what yeah, would be more what, relatable? What, what makes them unrelatable? They're they're living their lives. They're trying to pursue the American dream. You know, um, so yeah. Let's get right into. Uh, and before I get it, before I get into. Before we get into um, the interesting parts of this case, we know that this is a solved case, and it's a case that um, some people may know about, some people may not know about. But um, what I what I would ask you, as um, a woman that is not only a black woman but a, a married woman, a woman with a family, how? And and a woman that's tried to make change, just like you know, um, Danelle has, uh, Danelle uh, was trying to mm-hmm. in a different way. But how how does that make you feel? Like just personal feelings. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 hard. It's heartbreaking. It's just you know, it's a it's it's also very scary because, like I said, what happened to Janelle wasn't. Um, what happened to John? wasn't something, you know, like I said, most, most of the murders are committed by people that you know, and, and that that is hard too. But like I said, just the the randomness, the 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 all all of it, uh, it. It's just it's one of those stories that really um sticks out to me. It really, you know, it was it was a difficult story to research because knowing that she was this woman that was just, you know, wanted to make a difference in the world. Her students loved her. Her her colleagues loved her. She was just, you know, a, a, seemed like just like a wonderful person. Right. And not someone who deserved to die in such a brutal way, in such a scary way. So, yeah. All right. So, let's get to the first thing. Uh, talk about something interesting about this case. So I think the most interesting thing about this case is what happened with um, Janelle's ex-husband, uh, Michael. Because so often in these stories, in these cases, the spouse is a suspect. And a lot of times they are the person who is guilty of of committing the, the murder. Uh, you know, it's like I said most crimes are committed. Most murders are committed by people they know. And a lot of women 
um, or murdered in domestic violence situations. So having a story where the ex-husband is not the person who committed the murder, but still for a very long time suffers as if he did is very, very interesting because it makes you think about how often unsolved stories are out there and how often people are being accused and fingers are being pointed and you did this and people think, you know, and it's, it should, it should be a cautionary tale that, you can't you you don't you don't always know so you know convicting people in the court of public opinion without having all of the facts is not only not helpful but it's it 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 can it's harmful to people who are actually um you know also victims who also are part of this this you know this crime you know what i mean like, yeah and, and 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 like you said like um in the story he had a friend that happened to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he got represent, representation, he got counsel. Mm-hmm. And in this situation and others, it's so funny that, you know, people get a bad rap for lawyer lawyering up mm-hmm. is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank I guess I guess for him, thank God that he had a friend yeah. that was a lawyer and that was able to, you know, represent him and say, hey. Hey, you know, because as far as friendships, you know, you know, a lot of the times your friends will, you know, side with you. But as far as you being in the business of representing people and, you know, putting your license on the line mm-hmm. as a as a lawyer, you know, I guess yeah. he felt a, a, a lot of confidence in in him and his friend and saying, hey, yeah, you know, you didn't he, do this. So, so let's Yeah, and I think he knew that his it. friend didn't do this. And I think that the other thing was, was that even from the beginning, I think that the, it seems like from the beginning, the police also didn't really think that Michael had anything to do with it. Right. From, you know, I watched the episode of Cold Case Files, which was, um, uh, you know about the case, and they show the interview between Michael and the police. And at first, of course, they're they're asking him about his relationship with Janelle and how are things. And he's telling them like we're cool, like we still got a lot of love for each other. Blah 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 blah. And you know, so they're able, and they're also able to verify his alibi really quickly. He said he was with a friend, and then he went to his girlfriend's house, and so they were able to check his alibi. But the important thing about having the friend as a lawyer is that that doesn't mean anything, because the, because it was after that that he got the lawyer, because his friend was telling him, like, you know, you never know. You know what I mean? Just because they're saying this is cool, they could, they could spin back around and decide— Hey, you are the guy. And so, yes, him, he, him, he was lucky to have his friend. I do think that that also contributed to people's suspicions because, like you said, lawyering up, people think, oh, you, why are you getting a lawyer? Or you must be guilty, or what you hiding, or you lawyering, you know what I mean? And so I think that unfortunately for Michael, that also helped contribute to people's suspicion that he had something to do with it because now he's getting a lawyer. Why you gotta, you know, like as if having or getting a lawyer means that you're guilty. It doesn't mean that you're guilty. It means sure that you... It doesn't. Actually, it means that you're smart because you should get a lawyer. Right. You know what I mean? Like, shout, out to, shout out to uh, Maurice Maurice Harmon and Ask My, Ask My Lawyer brand yeah. and the October brand, which which advocates for, you know, you being able as a as a 
as a person that might be a victim, you know, mm-hmm. um, to 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 get a lawyer and and obtain a lawyer and yeah. make sure that you know. Yeah, you should always like you should you have you have representation and you should always protect yourself and you protect your right. Your so it's not it's not you know. But he, and so in but in this case, Michael was innocent. He wasn't guilty, but because he was the um, ex husband. You know the 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 media, the local papers were you know kind of spinning it and making it seem like this was some salacious situation, referring to him as being his estra- her estranged husband. Um, you know, referencing the the time that they were going to get, um, oh, or the the that she was going to file for divorce and kind of just like trying to casting a shadow. You know what I mean? Not necessarily. Yeah accusing him but casting a shadow kind of over him and that ended up you know that that shadow that they ended up casting f- followed him for years and you know he said that everyone turned on him her family thought that he had something to do with it people in the area thought he had something to do with it. he obviously it obviously affected his job because he was you know, taken out of the classroom and they wouldn't let him be with the kids and he had to go to the a desk job. And it's just, it's really, really, uh, it's a really, uh, an, another uh, tragedy of this story because Michael, by everything that you could tell and see in his interviews, like he did care a lot about Janelle and that, you know, they had gotten married when they were really young. You know, they were, you know, well, not super, but they were young. They were in their, you know, mid late 20s um and he just wasn't 100% ready for what she was giving him and he knew that he made a mistake and I, like I said in the episode he took full accountability for what happened in their marriage he didn't blame her at all he didn't say well Johnell didn't he said it was him it just it just was him and and it it was one of those type of situations where had she not been murdered, they probably would have ended up getting back together. Just I just got that yeah, feeling of course. from yeah. from the way he talked about her. It, it and, seemed like like from 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 what I gathered, it was like it's no hard feelings, but yeah. it's just not working. It just, or he you just wasn't I mean? ready, and maybe right. he would have been ready. And maybe once he found himself, and you know, sometimes people you know are not, are not ready, and they jump into situations. Um, but yeah, I just I got the impression from listening to him talk about their relationship and and also his mistakes that yeah there there would have been a chance that had she not been murdered that they would have gotten back together and so you have that coupled with the fact that then she was murdered and then he was accused not you know you know people were thinking that he had something to do with it and it, and it and it had to last for years and he ends up really being the person that brings this case to a close because right. if it's not been for his um his actions and going to his friend and saying hey, listen I need you to go to the streets I know the streets is talking somebody knows out somebody out there knows what happened to my to my my wife you know what I mean and so yeah yeah and I and I'm pretty sure you know that his counsel was like yo you should you should say something yeah you should, yeah he should he you probably should did he probably advised him around. like you should you should ask around because at that point it had been three years since um you know Anybody had, uh, I'm sorry, six years. It had been six years since anybody had 
really had had, had said anything. You know what I mean? Like they, they, this case had gone cold. Um, you know, and and but the problem was for Michael was that he was still living under this cloud of suspicion and he, you know, was depressed. And at one point he said he turned to alcohol and it just was, you know, it, it went from bad to worse. And then eventually he got himself together and uh, and I think he, you know, started going to church and just, you know, he got it together and he decided like, I need to figure out what happened. And so he ends up being the person that gets the story. He, he gets the story after all of that time, after all of the police work, like is it the streets talk, and the thing that I thought was interesting talk about about that was that the police didn't do that themselves. I they 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 had these informants because what we know from from the story is that it ultimately ends up being an informant that not only confirms the story that Michael is told about what actually happened, but they also identify all of the suspects and name all the suspects. So it seems to me that with this informant been out there this whole time, I wonder why police did not pursue their informants early on if they had these people, you know, these people were accessible to them. But anyway, that was just a, a little side thought about that. But ultimately, like I said, Michael is the person that that brings this to a, to a close um, because when he goes to his friend and his friend brings back this other guy and this other guy tells him, "Look, this was just this was a robbery going wrong. This is a wrong house. We they some gang members." Tells him the whole story, and he brings that to police. And then, like I said. Through their informants, police are not only able to confirm the story, but they're able to identify the suspects. Um, but, you know, sadly for Michael, he lost a lot of years being suspected. And and when he should have been able to grieve his, you know, his, his wife, his ex-wife, however, you know, he was, you know, whatever he determined, you know, or called her at that point, um, he... he didn't get to grief her. He didn't get yeah. to, you know, and and he, you know, so he was too he was too busy trying to deal with his own problems. Yeah, and deal with the, the and, and like he said, and like I said, he, you know, in the interview that he does with Cold Case, he's like, I couldn't even go out of the house. You know what I mean? Like, this is a small area. This is not some big city. This is not Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Where he could probably just you know, disappear a little bit and people would, you know, in this small area, everybody go to the same grocery stores, you know what I mean? He still worked for the school district. It was just something, you know, it just, it was, a, it's a shame that that had happened to him. And and like, like I said, I think it is a, a cautionary tale of how um, we should never be quick to uh, accuse people of crimes or assume people are guilty of crimes uh, without having all of the answers and all of the evidence. Yeah. You and, can assume. Yeah. Get you a lawyer, y'all. Yeah. And even in Michael's case, because, you know, they ended up finding the DNA on the duct tape. I mean, that was something that made, you know, there was little things that even those, and, and that just made me think, because so, I'm like, heck, that's crazy because had I heard, like, I, and I asked myself, like, okay, if you had just heard this story and the killers were still not caught. Would yeah. you think that Michael has something Michael, to do with this? Michael did it. Yeah, like, would I really think that? And yeah. I'm like, I probably would. And nope. that's messed up because, you know, yeah. Now, statistically, yes. Right. The odds, yes. Of course. But every case is individual. And, and just because something, 
you know, there's these little things doesn't mean that that's what the situation is. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that, this was this that was that that was definitely um one of the things that stood out about this case, even from the beginning. Like when I started doing research for this case, once I realized about the the husband element, I really felt like that just, you know, it was a different, it was a different, you know, it was something different that I haven't really, you know, never done before. You know? Okay. Let's get right to uh, Elizabeth Pinto. I saw the court um, hearing where she testified. Uh, it wasn't that long. The clip that they showed wasn't that long. Mm -hmm. But um, you talk about her and her taking them to um, actually commit the act. Mm hmm what do we know about Elizabeth Pinto in this situation? Uh, not really much. I mean, we know that she was um, somehow connected to these three men. I don't. I, I didn't get the impression that she was dating one of them, but I mean, she possibly could have. Usually, in these situations, it is some type of um, there is some type of relationship. So she may have been involved with one of the men. Uh, she comes to their house that, you know, comes to their comes to the house of the mother's house of Ebenezer Bird. According to her, she picks them up. From there, they're dressed in all black. They're wearing latex gloves. And they point her in the direction of or they give her directions to the Brighton Arms apartments where they then commit this uh murder. And that's about it. But we don't really know anything else about her. You know, we know that she ended up being the prosecution's star witness. And she ultimately was the, you know, I guess the nail in the coffin of the three murderers because she's not only able to, you know, identify them, corroborate the events of that night, but she's able to, you know, place herself and the the killers at the apartment complex or the at the apartment buildings you know she shows police where they went where she parked you know everything so uh she really ends up being you know the biggest part of this case and and what what you know the prosecutors need to 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 convict these guys but we don't really know a lot about Elizabeth there's not a lot of information about her um you know, she did get probation as oh, a part of her plea deal. So oh, she so she did get convict, convicted she, of well, something. Well, she pled guilty to 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 uh, conspiracy, but she wasn't um, given any jail time. Part of her plea deal was that she was just given probation, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's go, let's keep going. What else do you have uh, interesting about this particular case? Well, I guess I kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think the fact that this case had gone cold and ultimately it was solved because people started talking and people started coming forward. And yes, Michael, you know, had to turn to, you know, like I said, turn to the streets and start asking people what happened. The only reason why he knew what happened is because people were talking. People said something. People, he knew that, you know what I mean? Like he knew that, um, people were going to talk or people, he knew that people knew something, 
But he didn't know whether or not people were going to talk. And the fact that people started to talk is the reason why this all ended up coming to an end. Not only did whoever told the uh, friend of the friend the story, but the informant talked. Uh, the girlfriend of Ebenezer Bird talks. Elizabeth Pinto. People start talking. Multiple people start talking. And they start saying, this is what happened. And everybody got the same story. And everybody got the same suspects. And so... It's so, it's something that we don't often get to see because a lot of times cold cases, they stay cold. And this case wasn't even really cold that long. You know what I mean? Like six years is a long time in 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 a situation like this. But, you know, there's obviously, there's cases that have been cold for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You know what I mean? So yeah. to go cold for six years um is is not a long time, but it's long enough. And so the fact that after all of that time of really getting absolutely nothing, they like they had these little pieces, the lighter, you know, um, I think that early on they probably suspected that it was some type of robbery attempt, you know what I mean, just because of the way the house was found and everything was, you know, gone through. They also early on suspected that there was more than one perpetrator. So there were things about this case that they knew that it probably was more of a random crime than it was someone targeting um, Janelle. But either way, it took them, you know, a long time because they didn't have enough evidence. They just didn't have enough things to point them in the right direction. And had it not been for people starting to talk, this case probably wouldn't have been solved. And it and that stood out to me because, you know, when you guys listen to the episode, you know at the end of most of these episodes where people are missing or it's an unsolved murder, I will say, you know, somebody out there knows something. You know, it's time to come forward and give this family closure or these family clo- these families closure. And this is proof of how when people start talking, how a case can be solved. This is people rarely commit these crimes or commit crimes and don't say something to somebody. Somebody knows. And and yeah, that that part of this story um just gave a little glimmer of how you know, these cases can be solved, you know? It's just a little, you know, not everyone. Obviously, every case is different and facts of cases are different, but, you know, like I said, had people not come forward, we probably may still not know what actually happened to John L., so. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else as far as the case is concerned if, you know? Not really. I mean, anything? you know, I think, like we said, this was a solved case, so there's not, like, a lot of ins and outs and 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 questions about this case. We know that um Janelle was brutally murdered and it was ultimately a case of, I guess, mistaken identity. I mean, you know, I don't even know if it's really technically mistaken identity because they were just completely in the wrong apartment. Um, but either way, we know that she was not the target of this crime, but she was just an innocent victim of some, you know, of three people's just stupidity and and greed. It just, it's a very, very 
devastating outcome for someone who, like we said before, was just just trying to contribute something to the world. Just, you know, just trying to help kids, you know, teach them social studies and history and, you know, so. Uh, as far as uh, Michael, I'll go right into questions and comments. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, this week, you know, a lot of, not a lot of questions. And um, once again, this is just something Amara and I do on Wednesday nights. I'm going to tell you all the truth. This is, counts as a date night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, y'all be... <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we chill together yeah. a lot, a whole lot. So um, this is part of the time we just, you know, get to talk about the cases and things that... Um, you know, she covers. But one thing that I had mm-hmm. uh, in this comment, this was just earlier that somebody commented, commented, and it's not the whole comment, it must have been so hurtful that everyone suspected him of harming her that he couldn't even grieve her death properly. Um, yeah. And that's just a, you know, we, we've been talking about that, but mm-hmm. the, the grief, the the part of him grieving, the mm-hmm. part of him, you know, knowing that he didn't have nothing to do with it. Like, yeah. he didn't have nothing to do with it. Yeah. And this was, you know, a woman that he loved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just, the, the marriage didn't work out. The fact that he, you know, he wasn't able to just, you know, um, yeah, deal just with be, it. Yeah, just be, just be regular and deal with that part of it. And also so, have the support so of a community as opposed to being the outcast or the right. pariah, you know what I mean? Right. Like if if the community and they were, you know, the community rallied around the family and they had vigils and and he also talks about in the cold case episode, he talks about how um the detectives came to Janelle's funeral and it just made him feel so uncomfortable because just of the entire perception of you know, him being at the funeral and there's these detectives there and there's already these rumors going around that he has something to do with it. And so, yeah, it's just even at the funeral, you know, he didn't get to feel, you know, supported or or connected to his community who were rallying around Donnell's family and her students and her friends. But Michael, unfortunately, wasn't able to get that. He wasn't able to participate in that and get that, you know, support. And that, you know, that's why it ended up turning into depression and alcoholism because a lot of times people in these types of situations, they do turn to substances in order to cope and to uh, deal with the things that they're going through. So, yeah, Michael, you know, like I said, not too often in these stories do we get a situation like a Michael and um, it it is really sad to know that he didn't, you know, he didn't get to have that pain. And it took and it took a long time, you know, for for it to happen. Uh talk about the three um and questions and comments. This is this is for me, of course. Just talk about the the three suspects. Um who were the suspects and what type of time did they get? Um the convictions. Um, that type of information. I I never want to assume that, uh, especially with afterthoughts. After afterthoughts is something different, of course, from uh, the show that comes out on Monday. And of course, if you heard the show, you know that 
this is bonus content, just a, a chance for you guys to, you know, express your opinions and 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 us put them out there, and also a chance for Amara to express her opinion and put uh, her opinions out there. Um, but as far as the suspects, who were the suspects? What type of time did they get? Um, you know, for something, you know, a situation like this. Um, so yeah, I mean, we don't really know anything about these these guys. We know that they were gang members. Um, they were from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Uh, now, were they gang members or they just were some brothers? No, like, they were gang members. Okay. They, they, no, they were gang members. They were definitely gang members. Um, and you know, they all had very long, you know, criminal histories. Uh, Ebenezer Bird was actually in jail at the time that uh, they were charged with this murder on a separate crime. So these were just, you know, these were just menaces to society, I guess you could say. Like, they just, you know, that that's pretty much it. But I don't have a lot, of, a lot of background about these guys and who they were or what they did or what they were into. You know, all, all, the only thing that we know about them is that they showed up at Janelle's apartment looking for a drug dealer and, you know, ended up murdering her. So... Um, that's about it. But yeah, and in terms of time, uh, like I said in the episode, uh, the John Baptiste, Gregory John Baptiste, he was sentenced to 95 years. Um, Ebenezer Bird was sentenced to life plus 40 years, which totaled 115 years. And then Jerry Spaulding was also given a life sentence. So, um, so yeah, so like I said, it, you know, it, they, they'll spend the rest of their lives in in prison. They'll they'll never get out. They have to, I think, all of them have to serve like sixty or seventy five percent of their time before they could even be eligible for parole. Uh, and seeing how old they are now, they they they'll never they'll never get out of jail, and nobody will ever let them out of jail. So that is the only. Um, you know, good thing to come out of this story is that the people who ultimately were the ones responsible for John L's murder um, have been caught and charged and prosecuted. And, you know, at least these three men will never be able to do what they did to John L to anyone else. So, you know, if there's one positive thing that came out of this story, it is it is that. So Yeah, who who's to say that they wouldn't have kept going? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're obviously not very intelligent people, so... Yeah, world's, know, world's... World's dumbest. dumbest. Criminals. <laughs> but yeah, they... Um, Lord Jesus. Yeah, they're not... They weren't smart. They weren't uh, strategic. This wasn't some well-thought-out plan. Um, they didn't even... Weren't even smart enough to watch the apartment and see which one bull went into. Like, they just showed up at the apartment and just broke. Stupid. Just absolutely stupid. Yeah. Um, not- and and then the whole thing about them realizing that they were in the wrong apartment. I mean, no one will ever understand why they then had to kill Jono. Yeah. After everything that had happened, why did you have to kill her? Like, this just doesn't make any sense. She didn't know who you were. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it, it, it yeah. They, they, they could have, they could have blindfolded her. They could have, you know, they could have been wearing masks. You know, they, she would have never been able to identify them. They, it just, it just lets you know how evil they truly were. So yeah, and, and, and I mean, like, and just overall, like, um, and as we close out this, mm-hmm. it's like so sad, man. Because even in even in Philly, man, like, it's so much just random. Like, I don't know if y'all keep up 
you know, with Philly news or, you know, a lot of our listeners are not from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just so much just random, just not thinking, not worried about, you know, worried past, you know, a, a, a year from now. And, you know, for all you know, you know, just in life, yo, whatever you're going through at this moment, like five years from now, that might not even be the case. Mm -hmm. And we and we make these decisions as people in haste. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just begin to, you know, keep your circle tight. And, you know, for, for anybody out there that's, you know, struggling, just think. Think past, I would say, think past today and mm -hmm. think what could happen, you know, in a few years from now, man, like, yeah. uh, don't don't let don't let life make you let you make these you know type of you know hasty decisions in any realm. Mm -hmm. You know, just you know, live for the live for what's coming. And it's you know one thing that I always promote. You know, outside of uh, Black Girl Gone, is just being positive and, you know, just enjoying what whatever you have, like, no matter what it is, like, just enjoy what's in front of you, your children, your family, um, your wife, your husband, your family members, you know, it's, it's never going to be perfect, but just learn to enjoy, you know, just the, the current moment that you're in because, you know, we if 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 we get to see another day, guess what? Starts all over again, and 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 a lot of positive things can happen. But don't let you know, don't let your demons, uh, you know, take you away from the positive stuff that's going to happen or can happen in in your life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's pretty much it for this week. Um, I think that, like I said, well, not a lot of questions, not a lot of ins and outs, but it just definitely was a story that. Uh, I wanted to tell, I think, you know, like I said, Janelle, she just deserves so much more. She, you know, from all accounts, just seemed like a beautiful person who, you know, just would have contributed so much more to this world. And to have her be murdered at the hands of some random gang members who broke into the wrong house is, it, you know, it's really seems very unfair. You know what I mean? It's one of those things in life. Like life is not fair at all, but what happened to Janelle seems especially unfair, you know, uh, because it didn't need to happen. It was so senseless and so unnecessary. And like we said before, the dummies that did it, they didn't even get anything. They didn't even, they didn't even walk away with anything except, you know, being, being able to get away with it for a few years and now spend the rest of their lives in jail. But Janelle is forever gone, you know, and her family will never have her back. The years that were stolen, you know, from her, from from Michael and this whole situation, those things will never get back. And so it's just a, it's a, it's a tragedy through and through. Uh, but I am, you know, I'm glad that I got to tell this story because, you know, people need to, to know what happened to Janelle. For those who didn't know, don't know her story, um, I felt like it was an important story to to add to this to the podcast and for you guys to hear. So, yeah. So, like I said, that's pretty much it for this week. Um, 
Monday is Memorial Day, so we will not be back on Monday with a brand new episode. But what we are going to be doing is we're going to do another Black Girl Gone Reloaded. So um, be on the lookout for the three episodes that I choose. And then we'll be back with afterthoughts about them. So I hope you guys enjoy your holiday weekend. And much love. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.